It is about the discipline and the routine and doing the hard things. It is about not hitting the snooze alarm. It is about going to the gym every day. It is about trying to increase the weight and go faster. It is about getting leaner. That is the beginning. But what happens is people get caught there. Step number two is the realization that we're doing this for freedom. We're doing this for freedom from and freedom to. We're doing this from freedom from disease and freedom from decrepitude and freedom to climb the mountain and make it the groceries in two trips. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always, I am joined by Ben Bergeron. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for joining us this week. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks, Patrick. We are, what, this, what do we have this week? We've got listener questions about how to progress as a master's athlete when coaching is sparse, understanding a specific part of CrossFit's nutrition prescription, uh, recovery tips for a firefighter working a challenging schedule. Our workout this week will be a conversation about how to help our kids understand, talk about, and pursue health in a world that celebrates skinny and jacked. And we're going to wrap it up with uh, a fun chat about uh, the recent CrossFit Games. You and I have not chatted uh, on on the podcast about the games yet, at least post-games. So we're going to do that to wrap up the episode. Ready for the warm-up? Let's do it. Warm-up. We start each, uh, each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors, how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and how we recover. We are going to jump right into a question in the move category from Leslie. She says, I'm a 57-year-old female master's athlete who has been learning and growing in the sport of CrossFit for three years. CrossFit and my box have enriched my life in so many ways. My box is very professional and skilled coaches, yet they're all very young. I feel there's a gap in knowledge in how to quote-unquote break down the performance of a master's athlete. I have so many questions that they cannot answer. For example, how do I know when to push through an injury? How do I know if I'm getting to my heart rate max safely? Maybe these are questions that all athletes struggle with, but are there resources out there for the aging CrossFit athlete who wants to push to be better every day and yet do it as safely as possible? So the answer to that, Leslie, is yes, there are resources. And we've done episodes here on this exact thing. So maybe in the show notes or something like that, Patrick could pull up uh, and reference some of the, the specifics of um, training for master's athletes. And you hit on a couple of them in terms of, uh, you know, working at max intensities and working through injuries, which are not unique to masters. Everyone has those questions, but the answer might be slightly different for a master's athlete than it would be for an individual. And just to kind of back up, I think it's phenomenal that you recognize that there is twofold, that there are great, skilled, knowledgeable, caring coaches at your gym. That's such an awesome environment to be surrounded by but also that maybe they don't have a specific knowledge base in working with uh, masters of the universe. So I can like shortcut those two answers really quickly that you just asked and then maybe just kind of listen to the, the previous ones and or reach out to a coach. Like there are a lot of people in the space that work with masters athletes, CompTrain being one in the past. We've had you know, tons of success with masters athletes. This past year we had um, – an age grouper win and multiple podiums, um, but we're not the only ones. 
and there's one of my really good friends, Jay Layden, down in um, Milford, Connecticut, had tons of success with Masters Athletes as well. There are resources, there are people that do this at a really high level, and you can reach out to them, or you can do the work yourself to find this out, maybe through some of the, the previous episodes we've done. But really quickly, in terms of working through injuries, nobody should work through injuries. You work around injuries. So if you're hurt, you don't push through that hurt. You need to allow your body to recover from that injury. And we continue to keep our fitness, our strength, and our conditioning up around that thing by modifying appropriately. And it it seems like, you know, I first came into um, this space. It's different. Like it's, we do it differently, which is let's keep you working really hard. You're not on the sidelines. You're not in the physical therapy room. You're not doing just ice and massage and heat and stim. You're continuing to train. And it does take a level of care and attention to make sure you don't overtrain something else. For example, if your knee is hurt, you don't want to overtrain your shoulders by doing upper body every single day. So you have to do that a little bit systematically. And that's where a coach come in. But you can also do it just with a little bit of knowledge in terms of what are the foundational principles of programming. And that is, there is basically two kind of movement patterns for your upper body and your lower body pushing and pulling. And you just don't want to use up both of those in one day because the next day you don't have anything left to go to. This is the thing that most people make the mistake of when they hurt a knee or an ankle or something lower body wise and they're left only with their upper body is that they just use up all of the movement patterns of the upper body and the next day they use them up again and they use them up again. It's so much more systematically appropriate to push one day, pull the next day, and then try to do something else the following day, maybe core and cardio, like do what you can. Maybe it's seated ski erg and working on some hanging L-sits. So it's more of a, a core day. And rinse, wash, repeats through that. Push, pull, core cardio. Push, pull, core cardio. And that's a really good way to keep your fitness and strength up through an injury. Um, I should say while, while facing an injury, but you don't want to push through that thing. And there's a difference between being injured and being sore or even being hurt. Hurt is something different than injured as well. You can work through hurts, but you don't want to work through injury. And that's, that's what defines an injury is it's something that you're not going to work through. You need time to rest and recover. In terms of the the heart rate one, that's no different than your, if you're a 22-year-old or if you're a 62-year-old, only that the difference is, as we all know, it's common sense, it's going to take longer to recover at 62 than it will be at 22, so you have to give even more attention to that. And that's the same thing for everything that we're going to do. There's a um, adaptation to training curve, which is when you train, you're actually decreasing performance. You're getting sore and you're not going to be able to do as much in the following set as you were in the previous set. What happens is when you recover, there's a compensation. You want it to be so much of a compensation that there's a super compensation and you actually get stronger. Everybody is going to have different compensation curves based off of their multitude of factors, how they sleep, their stress levels, their age, their genetics, their nutrition, a whole bunch of the five factors. And that's why these things are multifaceted. But across the board, older athletes are going to have a slower adaptation curve. So we can't train with as much intensity or as much frequency. And therein becomes not only the answer to the first question, but the second one as well in terms of um, peak heart rate intensities. 
you can get there. It's going to take you longer to get there, more warm up, and you can't spend as much time there at above threshold, and you can't get there as frequently because you need the recovery time in between. So you can go and work with a coach individually or just try to work to, to you know, this is basically becomes like to each their own at this point. Do you want to like hand it off to a coach or continue to educate yourself? If you want to continue to educate yourself, the best thing ever is, and I think this is goes for everything, be your own best coach. And that's regardless if you're trying to be a business person, a parent, um, or an athlete, we have to take ownership ourselves of trying to learn as much as we can along the way. Only follow-up question I got to think is she starts off saying she's a master's athlete. And I always feel like there's an interesting distinction maybe worth making in master's athlete in the sense that you're beyond a certain age or master's athletes in the sense of I compete in this sport and because I'm an, a certain age, I am technically a master's athlete. So all that being said, how do you make the distinction? If, if Leslie said more clearly, like, I want to compete in the sport of CrossFit and I have these questions, or I just happen to be in the master's ca age category and I have these questions, are your answers any different or is that better? Is her approach any different or is it effectively the same with maybe a few minor tweaks of the edges? Yeah, it's there. It's no different. It's a it's a measure of degree, not kind. So yep. it's just like she's probably gonna be doing two hours of training a day, where the normal athlete does one hour a day. But nothing else really matters because it's all the same answers. The principles stay the same. Principles yep. stay the same. All right. Next question is in our eat category, and it's from Edward. How do you determine what your food intake should be so that it is sufficient to support exercise but not enough to support fat? Is it as simple as looking in the mirror? Yes, it, it can be as simple as that, but that's not the most accurate. And this would be a better question for someone like EC, but mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole uh, spectrum of how accurate do you want to be. And one is how much energy do I have and how much body fat do I have? Um, what Edward's referencing is uh, Greg Glassman's 100 Words of Fitness, which is the third line, I believe, is uh, keep intake levels, nutrition, to that which support exercise but not body fat. And that's such a beautiful, elegant statement. And there might not be a better, um, you know, he was incredible in terms of uh, taking complex uh, and making it incredibly simple and applicable. And that's the way that he distilled intake levels in terms of how much we should be eating. For that, for simplicity's sake, that's really powerful. And for simplicity's sake, what Edward's alluding to is the answer. Mm. Look in the mirror. Can you grab the, you know, this is like your own like crude skinfold test. <laughs> yep. But can you like grab, like just around your midsection, can you grab fistfuls of fat? If you can, you have, you're, you're intaking too much. That's, that's really what it is. Now, if you can sort of like pinch things, you can grab old, onto things, we're probably in there. If you can't even like pull fat away, you're probably too lean, honestly. It's like, that's like where your skin is just, it's just skin and there's no fat on there at all. Other ways you look in the mirror is like, can you see some definition of abs? And that's all we want is like, you don't have to have ripped six pack and, you know, veins coming down through the middle of your abs. You just want some definition of abdominal development it means that you're probably somewhere in the range of that 12 to 15% body fat, which where we, that's great. That's phenomenal. As we age, obviously, 
you know, every decade that gets less and less a little bit. But I want to say this again, this is a, a crude way of doing this, but it's also a simple and effective way of doing this. Then you you measure that against how much energy do you have to train. If you're a CrossFitter, which is what I think the, you know, at, at least most of the people that are listening to this, if you don't need a lot. And it's what that's saying is are, to go through a 20-minute AMRAP, you don't need, this is going to sound maybe weird to people, but you don't need fueling. You cannot go through the stored sugars that you have in your muscles and blood and liver. You can't go through those in 20 minutes. You have all the energy you need already in your body. Now, if you're participating in endurance events, either multiple hour um, hikes or adventure races, marathons or triathlons, it's only when you get above an hour that you actually need fuel. Now, if you're going to go for multiple, multiple, I would say that should start at about the 40 minute mark, if not even earlier. But said another way is if you're doing 40 minutes, you don't need fuel. So you don't, most of us are probably overfueling for activity in terms of activity being the workout. Now, if we're going to say what is the majority of the issues inside of our society, it's over consumption, not under consumption. And this is why fasting has become so popular and people overeat because the, the abundance of calories everywhere around us. When you go to get gas, you have to fight the, the temptation of these tasty treats everywhere, which never used to be the thing. What we want to do is make sure that we're not over consuming. And that's the most of us. Now, I understand that that's not everybody. And some people face, um, you know, eating disorders and undernutrition and um, battle other issues. But for most of us, in terms of trying to figure out what that right amount is, that's a really easy way. From there, we can go to a much more scientific way, which is you take 70% of your lean body mass, and that equates to the number, the number of grams of protein you should be having. So let's say you have a 200-pound guy that is 10% body fat. That lean muscle would be 10%, so 10% of 200 would be 20 pounds. So he's 180 pounds of lean muscle. Uh, and lean mass because they're skeletal as well in there. So from 180, he's going to take 0.7. That's too hard a math for me to do right now. But let's say it's 150. Okay, so now you're at 150 grams of protein you're taking a day. That should equate to 30% of your total calories. So you're going to do the same thing and you're going to find what is 30% of that in terms of fat, knowing that fat has nine calories per gram where protein has four and then you take 40% for carbs and now you have a 40-30-30 diet. 40% carbohydrates, 30% fat, 30% um, protein and that is the right starting point for just about everybody. And then from there, you tweak based off of individual needs, preferences, lifestyles, goals and everything else. For example, you're 200 pounds but you want to you want to play linebacker in the NFL, so you need to be 240 and you need to gain 20 pounds of muscle. Well, we're going to take that 0.7 and bring that probably up to 1.2 or even 1.5. And you're going to overfeed that person protein. 
okay, you have another person that is um, pre-diabetic. Well, in that case, we want to bring down the carbohydrates. So maybe we bring them down to instead of 40%, maybe we bring them down to 20%. But the 40-30-30 is a great, phenomenal starting point for anyone. And then we tweak off of that. So the answer is yes, look in the mirror, really simple, easy way all the way to this specific numerical game where you get to the 40, 30, 30, and then tweak from there. Last question we've got this week is in our recover bucket. It's from Tom. He says, I work as a firefighter and usually work 48 hour shifts. When I'm on shift, I can't control when I have to wake up uh, and sleep is often interrupted. In addition, I live in a different time zone, flying from Texas to Washington state the night before my shift starts. When trying to dial in my sleep, should I, uh, should I be playing catch up on my days off or sticking to a normal eight hours of sleep? Also, when I'm at uh, when I'm at work, should I try to go to bed at my normal time in my home time zone or same time for the work time zone? Tom, come and move and live with me. You're probably an amazing person that's committed to probably, I'm guessing, family back in Washington and your job and your career, which is a very noble one in Texas. Um, but you're doing a lot of damage to yourself. That's just the... I can give you all of the suggestions of what you should do and I will get there. But my first one is um, make a serious life change. The amount of um, health issues associated with frequent travel and even more so shift work is that there's actually, it's actually a disorder. They call it something like shift work or sleep disorder. It has to do with how much it messes up your circadian rhythm Every cell on your body is, is basically spending its entire time trying to figure out what time of day it is because you have these have all these cells do, creating all of these different hormonal responses and trying to figure out when am I supposed to do these things. To put this in really simple terms, one of those big things it's trying to do is regulate your immune system. And if it can't figure out what time of day it is, your immune system goes kaputs. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And that's the same for all of the 13 systems in the body from your cardiovascular system to your neurological system, to your immune system, to your reproductive system, to your digestive system. All of those things get thrown into uh, uh, an environment of haywire where it can't do what it's supposed to do. If you were trying to figure out how to get someone sick really quickly, You'd have them be sedentary, you'd have them eat processed foods, you put them in an incredibly stressful environment, and you wouldn't let them know when it's daylight and when it's um, nighttime. If we were to rank order those things, um, I think that the training one, and this isn't just because of comp train and you know, CF&E, but I truly believe that the, um, the base of the pyramid is exercise and training. Yeah, and not only because of what it does psychologically and what it does as a cascading effect to the other ones, you can't go to extremes, right? Because obviously if you don't eat, you die, right? If you don't sleep, you die. So it's not that, but it's like if you don't do these things optimally, so if you eat just a little bit off, if you sleep a little bit off, if you train a little bit off, this is the one that has the biggest effect. Now, I would, um, I would really strongly encourage Tom to make a move. And I mean that like literally, like either bring your job to Washington or I'm assuming it's family 
to uh, Texas. So you're not battling both things. I would encourage Tom to stay on his normal sleep schedule. So I would just keep the same real time, not adjusting back and forth. It's not enough time to be there for two or three days to try to swing and get back onto that new schedule. And the difference of it being just uh, an hour or two anyway, you're going to bed when it's dark, you're going to bed when it's dark. It's not like you're traveling across half the world and you need it would be more beneficial to like get on there circadian rhythm, which if we're trying to do that, one of the best ways to do that is early morning sunlight. That's one of the best ways to set the circadian rhythm, get outside early. And I would really encourage Tom to do that as well anyway, because that hour, although it's just like, oh, it's an hour, it really makes a difference. Matt Walker has this phenomenal statistic that there is one day in the year where Americans see an increase of over 20% heart attacks on the singular day. And there's another singular day which Americans' heart attacks go down by over 20%. And those are daylight savings. When we all get an extra hour and we lose an extra hour, that is a, that's how sensitive we are to these hour changes. And that's why when you go into this shift work, it's just, it's, it's catastrophic. So that would be the first one. I think he asked a couple questions, but the first one would be stay on pick a time, whichever one that is, and stay on that time. The other one was like, should he play catch up? Yeah, and, just play when, he, when he's off shift. Should he, yeah. you know, if, presuming he didn't sleep well on shift, should he try to get 10 hours or whatever to catch yeah. up? Yeah, and, and the answer to that is uh, yes, but no. Um, so it, I think it depends on how badly that it was before. If you got under, let's call it like under six hours, yes, I think it's worthwhile to try to get the extra hour or two of sleep the next night. If it's just a little disrupted, which is kind of what probably most of us are experiencing, last night, for whatever reason, my car alarm went off four times. It was like, I thought first time I was like adrenaline spiked because like, I was like, someone's breaking into the car. I couldn't fall back asleep. And then an hour and a half later, it went off again. And I was like, they're back. Like, uh. <laughs> And then as I was, I would run downstairs and do my, boop, 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 you know, yeah. whatever it is. And it, the second time as I was going up the stairs, it happened again. I was like, oh my God. And then it happened while I was in bed. It's like. Someone was just going on my car, but I got probably, I don't know, 45 an hour less sleep than I normally would. In that case, it's not worth trying to play the catch up game. Stay on your circadian rhythm. But if you're going to be affected to the point where you're sub six hours, then yes, an extra hour or two the following night can be beneficial. If you out there would like to get a question into our queue for our warm up, find me on Instagram. P.S. Cummings, drop me a DM. I'll add it to our list. Ben and I, we're going to be back in just a minute with a, uh, for a conversation about uh, how to help our kids uh, stay focused on health and not, uh, well, quite frankly, aesthetics. Uh, but first, a couple quick thanks to some sponsors. First up is Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you do not. That means lots of sugar. Uh, sorry, that means lots of salt and no sugar. <laughs> That'd be amazing, right? <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, head it's, to, head to drink it's a freeze element. pop. <laughs> <laughs> head to drinkelement.com slash excellence to learn more and get a free sample pack with your purchase. I have Element in my water right now. Uh, ben, do you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. My, my new favorite flavor I've realized is watermelon. I'm a mm. sweet guy and watermelon is just delicious. But it's uh, Element, I'm a huge fan. As I think uh, everyone listens to the show probably knows by now. Um, we sweat a lot, um, especially during the summer and we've done sweat tests. 
uh, where we measure the amount of salt lost and the amount of water lost. And what we found is that most of our athletes lose about a thousand milligrams of salt per every hour of activity. Pretty nice. That element has a thousand milligrams of sodium. So it's like the thing that we all lean on. Love it. Right now, Element is offering you guys out there a free sample pack with any purchase. Element is literally like it's holding up my microphone. There's a box of it. <laughs> it's literally with my microphone. It's multifunctional. Uh, okay, so free sample pack. Eight single serving packs for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors. Get yours. DrinkElement.com slash excellence. Deal is only available through that link. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash excellence. We are also brought to you this week by Shopify. Shopify is the e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Go to shopify.com slash excellence to learn more and start a $1 per month trial. Whoa. I don't know if we use that deal, but we're building a new yes. website or new store for Good uh, deal. for Comtrain. Yeah, we should get you on. Know, I actually think it's funny that Shopify advertises at all because who like who, who doesn't, doesn't use, use, yeah, who doesn't yeah. use Shopify? Like if you're in e-commerce and it's, um, it's cool because as you just said, we are building a new uh, CompTrain store and it's really, really cool how you can um, individualize it. You can yeah. make it customizable. It actually looks like the site. So it doesn't look like people are jumping off to this weird third-party platform. It looks like they're staying in your ecosystem on your site. Um, it's really a, a smooth, slick platform. Yeah. My favorite thing about Shopify is all of the – uh, third-party tools, apps, and services that you can plug into your website based on what you need and what you're selling. That's always, to me, been the, the biggest benefit of using Shopify over any number of other platforms is they've got this massive ecosystem of really good tools. So if you're selling like Comtrain's going to like, you know, t-shirts and posters and whatever else, cool, let's go find the tools that help us do that really well versus digital products or courses or something else, whole other suite of tools that you can use. Um, so whether you're a garage entrepreneur or trying to get IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool mm -hmm. you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Head to shopify.com slash excellence to start your $1 per month trial. Take your business to the next level. We've got a question uh, for our workout this week. This is from Amber. She says, when I was in high school and college, I struggled with an eating disorder that took a lot of things for me. Fast forward to today, and I've been at a healthy weight for over 15 years, and I've done a lot of healing for both my body and mind. I now have two daughters who are 13 and 8, and I make it a priority to use positive language in our house surrounding eating and exercising. Any thoughts on how to continue to use positive words and ensure my children know eating well and exercising are about being strong and healthy? We live in a world that values being skinny for the wrong reasons and would like uh, your thoughts on this particular subject. Um, we get a fair amount of questions about this, um, and it's something that I've yeah, and it's something that I've dealt with um, firsthand with a few um, athletes yeah. that I, I've worked with and trained. Um, I, I probably doesn't get enough play, enough conversation because I think it's a it's out there and more frequent than people probably think it is. It's kind of like you know when we had our miscarriage, and we like we started talking about it, and we're like. People are like, I did too. So did we. And so it's like, oh my God, like how come people aren't talking about this? And I I sort of understand why because it's it's a sensitive subject and you don't want to say the wrong thing. 
I, I'm not a doctor. And first place I would go with this is if somebody is suffering with a, an eating disorder of any kind is I would seek professional help. I think that we're all hesitant to do that. To, and I would talk with, I would not start with a therapist. I would start, not start with a nutritionist. I'd start with a therapist. I think it has more to do with mindset than it does actual um, health. It's kind of like you need to get the emotion right. If somebody doesn't have good movement habits, it's not about the right training platform. It's about the emotional connection that person has to training. And that's the barrier that we have to overcome. And it's the same thing in this situation. If somebody doesn't have good healthy eating habits, it's not about the knowledge base of what to eat. It's understanding what's driving those behaviors. And as parents, I think that there is, and I think it's the question's beautifully stated from Amber, and she's doing a phenomenal job, just that level of awareness is, you know, the positive talk and what I pay attention to as a mom is going to affect my 13 and eight-year-old. And I think that most of us probably are going through this journey as parents probably a little bit more absent-minded than Amber is. Mm. And the things that we talk about, the things that we pay attention to, the little idiosyncrasies, the body language, the um, things that we look at are going to trickle down to our kids our kids are going to pay attention to what we pay attention to at least until they're 13 and then right. when they when they go and revolt at 15 16 17 that's a different ball game but i think that what we need to do is is really pay attention you know i love your you know own your attention your words that you use all the time and if we are talking about how strong these girls are how well they can perform as opposed to how good they look, that has a huge effect in terms of what our kids feel like they should value. That goes in terms of not just seeing a model or an athlete on TV and having the really obvious ones, but it goes to a much lower level, more even subconscious thing. When you're, you know, moms and dads, like when you're getting ready for date night, and you're in the mirror, your kids are paying attention. Like we've seen this in a big, big way. And probably more so now than where your kids are, Patrick. But yeah. my daughter is nine. The, she's like, it's it's one of the most exciting things for her right now is helping mom get ready for date night. And if we're using language of, you know, do I look fat in this? You know, I used to be skinny. That's going to send the wrong messages. We need to be really aware of what we're saying when we are, and even the body language. If you're trying on six different outfits, trying to get the one that like, and you're, you know, checking out your butt in the mirror as you try on these six different outfits, that's sending the message of what you value much more subtly, but not less powerfully than things like, which we should also be aware of actually giving critiques and feedback to our kids about their appearance or their weight. That's like number one, right? If we, if we're talking about like, oh, uh, I don't think you look very good in that, or, you know, you look great in that, or, you know, talking about weight or whatever else, that's going to send really strong messages. But the subconscious ones are the ones that we do ourselves. 
Similar to that is as you're scrolling through Instagram. What are the things that you're pausing on that you're looking at? And when you do that, what's your body language and what are you either saying out loud or subconsciously? If you pause on Venus Williams, right? Someone like that, who's a bigger female athlete and you go, wow, she's amazing. She's so powerful, strong and athletic. Well, that sends a certain message as opposed to scrolling through and seeing some supermodel and going like, oh my gosh, look how, wow, she looks great. That's what you pay attention to, they will value. And if you even could do this consciously and send the right, you could do this proactively. I saw a a recent one of this, um, the guy that set the record, he clean and jerks, 500 plus pounds. They had a video of him on the beach talking to him and he just does not look the part at all. But then they cut to him lifting. It's like, holy crap. And if you never mentioned anything about him on the beach, but we're always about just like, wow, that's incredible. Look how strong he is. We want to value the performance and the strength. And I think that this is what CrossFit and CrossFit affiliates have done so, so well. If ever there was an environment that rewarded performance over aesthetics, it is this. I mean, I can remember when I first got into this, I purposely avoided bicep curls because I didn't want to get bigger biceps because I thought that would be in, this is when all the top athletes were, you know, 170 pounds. (laughs) So I was like, I don't want to get bigger. That's going to just be more weight to lug around because I wanted it for, for everything was about performance. We really have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to both consciously and subconsciously because that is what that's going to create the value system that our kids are going to do. Then there's obviously the more obvious ones in terms of the the eating habits. And the big one I'll say about the eating habits, and this is what I would go even whether I'm dealing with somebody that has a disorder or not, is we start with additive, not subtractive. And this is earlier in the episode, we talked about um, nutrition. And the first thing, the very first thing I said is 0.7 grams of protein for every pound of body weight. That's what we, so it's like, are we eating like, like just to make sure that we're getting that in. It's not restrictive stuff, but we got to start with that. And that is where I would start with everybody is with the protein thing. It's just making sure that that's there. And we're going to make it abundant. It's going to be there all the time. We're going to make it very easy to to eat that stuff. Um, I'm not a fan of just putting in the calories, even, you know, we had a, a girl that was dealing with an eating disorder here and she went to a, essentially a hospital, um, to help her work through this. And they forced her to eat crap food. Well, I don't think that's the answer either. That doesn't make sense at all. You're just trading one bad habit for another. That's not the thing to do. And she knows it's unhealthy. So she's not going, this is not gonna be a sustainable thing when she comes out of this. She's just doing this to get through this process so they'll let her go. I am very much an advocate of, let's make sure that they're eating enough healthy, lean protein. Like that's just where it all needs to start from in my opinion. I really pay attention to the subconscious from scrolling to what we, the reactions we make to ourselves in the mirror to the language, to get them in a CrossFit gym because they reward performance, not aesthetics. Um, And then the biggest one of all of those things, 
which is more just parenting or leadership in general, is create a really safe, non-judgmental environment that they feel like they can come to you and they feel safe and supported. Usually eating disorders are, I say usually, not all the time, but it's in an effort to control something. They feel insecure about something in their lives, usually associated with three things, which we all have to deal with is, you know, this is the stuts thing, but there's some level of pain or suffering. There's some level of work that needs to be done, or there's some level of uncertainty. And it's one of those three things that they are going to latch onto this thing because they can control this thing. Well, the more that we create a trusting, loving, non-judgmental environment, <clears throat> the better we'll be, we'll be set up to deal with the inevitable hardships that come along, regardless of what those might be, eating disorder being one of those things. I think one of the things, and you, you hit on it, but I think it's worth really focusing on, <clears throat> if you don't, and it doesn't sound like this is the, the challenge for Amber, but I think it is for a lot of people, which is if you don't understand the value of health, if you don't understand the importance of, let's just call it performance versus looking a certain way, our kids will notice that. And you said this, like they're, they're paying attention to what you're valuing because at, for many of the early years, the developmental years, kids look to their parents to figure out what matters and look to their parents to figure out what do we want here. And so if you as a parent, if we as parents haven't wrestled our own issues around this particular challenge, then there's no amount of faking it. There's no mm -hmm. amount of putting on a good face. There's no amount of when they're paying attention, I will do the right thing because they're always paying attention and we can't act forever. So like so many things that we talk about here, the, the, the only true way to influence somebody else is to focus on influencing yourself. Because only when you live according to the ideals that you want the other person to live by, will they ever see it as anything real? Will, they, will you ever be able to model it in a way that they see truly? Uh, and again, not at a surface level, but they actually see mom doesn't say one thing. But when she's not doesn't realize I'm watching, she does something totally, you know, something totally different. And so I think that's really, really important, uh, especially with with younger kids is to recognize and we've talked about this a little bit, but like, the best, you know, how do, how do you be a better parent is you focus on being a better person. Step one, and then from there, live your ideals, and you can explain it and they can see it. And I think the other thing I'd, I'd want to add is I think, especially in this regard of health, and and looks and performance and all the other thing. I think we too often talk about health. We, we too often talk about fitness and nutrition as though they are a means to, to the end. We too often talk about it as though the point is fitness and the point is nutrition. And when we do that, what we're saying implicitly or explicitly is the thing that matters is what you eat. Or the thing that matters is that you go to the gym five times or that you look a certain way or that you can perform in a certain and that's better than the alternative. That's better than uh, not paying attention to those, not caring about those things. Very hmm. few people want to fitness for the sake of fitness. Very few people want to count macros for the sake of counting macros. All of it is, is done as a means to the life we want to live. 
All of it is done so that we're capable. All of it is done so, is, so that we are we have the energy so that we have the drive so that we have the excitement so that we have the desire to go out and live with our with our hearts on fire. And when we as parents focus too much on protein and going to the gym and all the other things, it can be easy to to teach our kids that that's what matters. But it's not what matters. It's that we do these things so that fill in the blank depending on what your particular uh, places. And so for Amber, for her, for her girls, or for her kids, I think the most important thing is celebrating what mom gets to do. She gets to go climb the mountain, she gets to do the marathon, she gets to carry all the groceries in in two trips, she gets to put the bags in the overhead compartment without asking for help, she gets to be there when her sister is sick, and she can be the 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 rock in that scenario. The gym and the nutrition is is fodder for that. It's not the point. And I think that's where we so run into trouble is we get fixated on the fitness and the nutrition or the sleep. And none of it, ma- none of it matters if that's it. That's not the point. The point is what we get to do now. The point of, and we've talked about this recently, but the point of filling our own cup in this way is so that we are full and that we can fill other people's cup. And that I think is the most important thing when thinking about how to have this conversation, which is often not an actual conversation, but how to teach these lessons to kids is to make sure as much as we are talking about healthy eating and going to the gym and and all of those things is to show them why. It's awesome where you said that it's phenomenal. The training itself, the nutrition itself, is not the is not the goal. And I think of this in terms of the evolution of what we've experienced in terms of the evolution of this conversation of chasing excellence. Phase one, step one, it is about the discipline and the routine and doing the hard things. It is about not hitting the snooze alarm. It is about going to the gym every day. It is about trying to increase the weight and go faster. It is about getting leaner. That is the beginning. But what happens is people get caught there. Step number two is the realization that we're doing this for freedom. We're doing this for freedom from and freedom to. We're doing this from freedom from disease and freedom from decrepitude and freedom to climb the mountain and make it the groceries in two trips. That's the reason for the discipline is that it allows you the freedom to be able to do these things. Step three is realizing that what freedom is actually providing you is peace of mind. That's the reason that people want to make a billion dollars because they believe they have a billion dollars, they'll have peace of mind. It's the reason that they want to win the Super Bowl because if they have that, they'll have everyone you know, saying, you're so amazing, you're awesome, and that will give them peace of mind. The shortcut is realizing that the thing we're all searching for is peace of mind. That's it. Now, some people get it through meditation. Some people get it through achievement. Some people get it through long walks in the woods. Some people get it through um, addiction. Some people think that they get it through these little moments. I had this conversation with uh, Jonah, my 19 year old, um, just recently. And I was saying to him how feelings, we shouldn't listen to our feelings. And he pushed on it. He's like, what are you talking about? Why would you 
not listen to your feelings? Shouldn't we want, you know, that feel good? That like, shouldn't we want to feel good and try and avoid that? And my response to him was that your feelings are lying to you. What we have to do is realize that sometimes it takes the hard work and the discipline, step one, to be able to get to this true peace of mind. Because that's not peace of mind. That's It's a fallacy. It's not real. And if we get caught up in the discipline for the sake of discipline, we never evolve. We get stuck in this other weird cycle. It is the necessary step that we need to take to cross the bridge to get to the other side. But we can't stop there. We're caught on the bridge. And the goal is not to hang out on the bridge. The goal is to get to the other side. And if we realize that the discipline is not for the sake of discipline, you know, get caught up in the rat race or whatever it might be, or the six pack or the corporate ladder or the more likes or whatever it might be, we have to realize that that is just the fallacy. We need to do this to create freedom to be able to do what truly sets our heart on fire. And we do that thing that truly sets our heart on fire, which for most people, as you said, has something to do with helping other people. It's, it's said another way, it's the second mountain. So there's this idea that if you work hard enough on whatever it might be, you create this level of success deem that how you want to, that allows us then to truly do the impactful work, which is climbing the second mountain. We don't want to get caught on the first mountain and just right. the, just take that to the sky because it's not going to get us to where we actually want us to be, which is peace of mind. I came across a question recently that I love, which is, what is the goal of the goal? What is the goal of getting fitter? What is the goal of eating better? What is the goal of getting eight hours of sleep? What is the goal of the goal? And so I love that question because it forces you to say, why do I want that thing? What is the point of that thing? What am I actually trying to get to by saying that's my goal? And when you recognize that you get, a, you can open up a world of opportunities, a world of options to say, oh, if that's actually what I'm looking for, there may be a myriad, there may be myriad ways that I can get it, or I can recognize that that's just a step on the journey, but I'm not getting fit because I want to get fit. I want to get fit because I want my kids to see what life looks like when you're not hamstrung by bad health. I want them to see what it looks like when you live fully. And not like I, not like my parents did, where they didn't they didn't live fully. I, they were sick all the time. They were whatever. I want them to see what it looks like to live with their with with my with what their heart on fire. And this is this is one of the principles of effective living, right? Which is begin with the end in mind. Yep. So if you understand from the get go of why you're instituting these disciplines, well, then the likelihood of you chasing this white rabbit down the wrong hole is not as likely because you recognize that the idea is not the discipline of this eating, the discipline of, but it's for this thing at the end. And when you do that, you recognize when you're going too far in one direction because you lose the essence of what we are actually setting out to do. All right, we're gonna wrap it up there. We're gonna be back in just a minute with a conversation about uh, your recent experience at the games. I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are. We haven't actually talked about this. But first, a quick word of thanks to one of our sponsors this week, Momentus. 
Momentus is the supplement brand that makes you feel good about supplement brands. Head to livemomentus.com and use the code excellence to get 20% off your first order. Science behind Momentus's products is second to none. I've been testing their sleep pack recently and the combination of magnesium, apigenin, and L-theanine helps me get to sleep, stay asleep, and have the highest quality sleep possible. We were talking about that in uh, in our warm-up today, the importance of sleep and how Tom is struggling. Maybe he needs some momentous sleep pack. Huh. Yeah, I've been taking uh, two of those three for uh, a very long time um, and uh, heard it first from Huberman in terms of what uh, the the recommendations for sleep stacks. Um, and I believe uh, Huberman's involved in, in momentous. There we go. Yeah, so connected. Um, do, do they help when your car does the car alarm doesn't stop going off? They're, <laughs> they're not immune to that, right? No, that it does not override <laughs> that. It is not. <laughs> you are not unconscious. <laughs> All right. And thankfully well, so. Yes. Yeah, Which, by I'm, the way, is le- yeah. if you look in the research in terms of why people say, um, you know, they might have a nightcap in terms of like a little alcohol that can help you essentially find a state of unconsciousness, not better sleep. So I would really encourage people if they're looking for a supplemental help for sleep to go this route rather than the other. Designed by the world's experts, used by the world's best teams and athletes and made for all of us. Head to livemomentous.com and use the code excellence at checkout. That'll get you 20% off your first order. Again, livemomentous.com, M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S. All right, before we get into our cool down, a quick shout out. Shout out is just when we take a moment to read a message that Ben and I have received or a review or a comment on YouTube. This is from Sam at Underpine Fitness. He says, I really appreciate uh, really appreciate yours and Ben's views and opinions and cannot tell you how many questions I've had that haven't needed to be asked because you have answered them over the years. Always learn from each and every episode and I'm grateful for you both doing what you do. Thank you. So thank you to you, Sam. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Appreciate that. Cool down. Let's jump into the CrossFit Games. We haven't talked too much about it since you came back. Give me some highlights. Give me some things worth mentioning. I think the last time we did talk was before the games, and we talked through your your top events of all time. Any did any did any come into the top five uh, from twenty twenty three? There's no top fives. There might not be any top tens. Um, but that's not to say that I, there weren't events that I I didn't like. Is that the right way to say that? Anyway, there weren't events I didn't like. Yeah, close enough. I think we know what you mean. There were good events, just <laughs> nothing like that was like, whoa, there was no capital, yeah, right? There was there no, was capital, no yeah. there was no getting a plane. There was yep. none of, uh, you know, chaos type things. I, my favorite event from the games was the muscle up sand, move the sandbag. It was very visual. It was so clear what the race was. So for those that aren't following along, what it, it was basically do a set of muscle ups. I believe it was seven muscle ups on the rings. Then run down the field and take a very heavy sandbag and put it over a log. Cool. Run back, do your seven muscle-ups, take that same sandbag, run it 20 more meters down the field and put over a heavier log. Run it back and so on. And the height got heavier. um, I'm sorry, the height of the log got higher and higher, so it became more challenging. But a really nice blend of some that favored the smaller guys, some that favored the bigger guys. And just the visual aspect of it was phenomenal. It was truly like we're moving down the field and there was this level of um, struggle. But yet, this is a really 
cool, elegant way. When there's struggle, which everyone loves to see, but yet it doesn't create huge separation. And that's really hard to do from a programming perspective. That's because if there's huge separation, there's no race and everybody wants the race. So contrast that with something, another event that I actually really liked was Helena, which is a takeoff of Helen, except they did bar muscle-ups instead of pull-ups and they did dumbbell snatches instead of um, swings. In that case, there's very little struggle. These guys are just flying through this thing. They're running fast. They're doing the muscle-ups unbroken with not a lot of struggle and they're just ripping through the dumbbells. And that creates a lot of excitement because everyone's finishing within 20 seconds of each other. It creates these amazing races. But people love to see the struggle as well. And the struggle is things like the capital where people can't even pick up the bag at the end. But, you know, athletes are finishing, you know, 30 minutes apart from each other because it's mm-hmm. so so much, so challenging. And that's what I really liked about that, that workout was there was a race, but there was still a, a level of like, can they even, are they going to be able to do this? You know, um, are these athletes going to be able to get that bag up over that final log? So it was really, really cool. I also did love seeing struggle. Um, they re- they brought back the alpaca event when they did it for real, but that sled was so freaking heavy, particularly for the females at the end. That's a cool thing to watch too, because these athletes make stuff look so dang easy that it's hard to put in perspective how challenging it is to do the things that they do. Most people have tried to hit a baseball, so they realize how difficult it would be to hit a 102 mile on our fastball. It's like, whoa, that's amazing. Most people have picked up a basketball and shot a basket, so they realize how amazing it is that these guys are hitting these three pointers or dunking. You're like that's like, whoa, look at the athleticism, the skill. Most people have swam, most people have run marathon, so most people can put into perspective what these things are. Very few people have done two legless rope climbs, 12 double kettlebell clean and jerks and pushed a heavy sled. Like it's right. just not something that we do. So it's hard to it's hard to appreciate what it is these athletes are doing, but when you see them struggling the way that they did, it's a point where like one girl lost both of her shoes and the judge made her come over and put them back on. <laughs> Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, you know, having said that, all that about a couple of the events, and I thought the events, I thought the games was well, were well programmed. Um, the highlight for me, by a long shot, was Roman. You know, um, for those that didn't get to see it, um, Roman Krennikov is an athlete that's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. At one point, he had a hundred point lead during the weekend in first place. Jeff Adler was able to close that gap. But as Jeff was closing the gap, they were essentially for all intents and purposes tied uh, with about a day to go. Um, Roman actually during that event that I was just talking about, the muscle up log, yep. yep, broke his ankle, broke his foot. The next event is involves double unders. And he did the double unders. He came out on the floor, competed, did the double unders, single-legged, and it was just this epic emotional moment. And at the end, you know, know, the the, the MC comes over and asks him, you know, what inspired you to come out here and, and give that type of gutsy performance? And 
he said, I just want, this is one of those things that's going to make me cry again. But he just, I, I cried when I saw it. Um, he just said, I just want to be a role model for my son. And it's just like, oh my, that's so awesome. And it wasn't just lip service. Um, Roman's awesome. And he's the real deal. And you could see that that was the reason he was out there. And he continued to come out onto the floor every single time and compete and do the work. And that was, he ended up second place overall, even though he didn't, uh, for essentially didn't even do the last three-ish workouts. Yep. Um, But had performed so well leading up to that moment that he was able to still take second place, um, taking zeros (laughs) for the last two or three workouts. It was uh, an incredibly emotional thing that everyone that does this sport at some form, fashion, level, that's what this thing is about, right? Is like, let's show other people what heart, what grit, and what um, doing this thing the right way looks like. Do you think that in CrossFit Games future, we will see single-legged double-unders? No. That was, I, my, I hope, that was my response. Gosh, I hope we don't because he came close to injuring his other leg. Oh, uh, yeah. That, it, it's just such yeah. wear and tear on that. Yeah. Now, if we do that really low rep schemes, f- fine. But he was doing – He did a lot of it, yeah. It was, I think it was eight sets of 30, I think was the workout. So that's – you know, if we're doing two, three, five, ten – that might make sense, but no, I hope we're not doing 240. Agreed. Okay, any parting thoughts uh, on this particular subject before we wrap up? The games are an amazing event. Um, it's the last year in Madison, so I'm really curious to, to see where they go next. It was supposed to be Alabama. They pulled out of Alabama to get one more year here. And um, I'm really excited, curious, and interested to see where it goes next because I think it has a huge effect on the, the, the games itself. It's not just like... Um, a football stadium, right? Where you could play this thing in anywhere because it's a football stadium. It's a hundred yards. It's a hundred yards. A hundred yards. It, it so much of the test is influenced by the environment it's in. You know, when we were in California, we could go to the Pacific Ocean. We could go to the mountains. You could run around the stadium because it was humongous. It was um, the soccer field. And a tennis stadium and the soccer field lent so well to run routes up and over a berm that you could see the athletes through the entirety of the event instead of them leaving and coming back. So I'm I'm really interested to see where they go next because it's going to have a huge implication on, on, on the quality of not only the test but the quality of, of the presentation as well. I'm a man. Thank you. That was great. Thank you everybody out there for listening. If you want to get a question into a future episode of the show, find me on Instagram. P.S. Cummings, drop me a DM. I will add it to our list. Thank you in advance, and thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.